The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about some fascinating privacy issues. I was reading a couple articles in the Daily Journal, which is the legal newspaper for the state of California, and one of them was the privacy issues of wearable technology. I thought that was a a great one. And then the other one was expect more stringent regulations over big data to emerge. And both of them are by the same fantastic attorneys. We've got Mark Mao and Jonathan Yi, who I'm going to tell you all about them in just a second. But they are both with the law firm of Kaufman, Dolowich, and Volok LLP. And Mark is up in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And Jonathan Yi is down in Los Angeles. But right now, uh, one's in San Francisco and one's in L.A. And let me tell you a little bit about them. First, let me tell you about Mark. Mark Mao is vice chair of both the technology practices groups and the Financial Services Practice Group at Kaufman, Dulwich, and Volok LLP. And he works basically most of the time out of the San Francisco firm and um, in that office. And his practice focuses primarily on mobile, cloud, and big data companies with a particular interest in the so- their software licensing and privacy law needs. And he has substantial experience advising and litigating on behalf of tech companies because he's right near the Silicon Valley. And he also has represented companies across a broad spectrum of other industries, including software, hardware, biotech, uh, green tech, medical devices, all of the um, uh, lots of stuff, including intellectual property needs. And he advises businesses on the evolving areas of privacy laws and cyber liability insurance, which is huge, where the regulatory and legal issues continue to change. And during his, the dot-com era, um, Mark Mao was an information technology consultant with Arthur Anderson Consulting Company. And he, interpl- he uh, implemented enterprise database software throughout the Silicon Valley. So he has a great background. And his partner in crime, so to speak, with these great articles is Jonathan Yee, who is also an attorney in the Los Angeles office of Kaufman, Dolowich, and Voluk. Uh, LLP, where he's a member of the firm Cyber Liability, Professional Liability, and Financial Services Practices Group, and his focus in practice is litigation, uh, business litigation and commercial disputes, information technology matters, professional liability cases, and securities and financial services actions, 
and he deals with both state and federal trial and appellate courts, as well as before the financial industry regulatory uh, authority, which is FINRA, and the Office of Administration Hearings. And he represents internet and technology firms in a broad range of commercial actions relating to privacy issues, security, licensing, and information uh, infringement of intellectual property and service agreements and vendor disputes. So these guys have an incredible background and just, I'm so thrilled to have both of them on. So thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Mari. Thank you, Mari. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. I was uh, really intrigued with the wearable tech uh, since, you know, I've been sent gifts of wearing this wearable technology, which I'm always a little worried about. And even wearing our uh, mobile device, any kind of mobile device that that uh, collects data about us. So let's talk a little a little bit about this, Mark. Um, who's moving in this space of wearable technology? Uh, well, I mean, for for a while, uh, you had only a few players, um, and, and I think really the big, uh, you know, insofar as it's been quote unquote hot in the market, that really started with Fitbit. But as um, the technology improves and as, you know, more and more people kind of get interested in taking on wearables and wearing them, it's almost kind of become a fashion uh, statement. You know, uh, more companies like Apple, Microsoft, Samsung, I mean, you can see them all trying to get into this space. Yeah. Uh, you know, but some players have also exited, like uh, Nike, they discontinued the field, their field band just a little bit earlier this year, hmm. uh, which was probably, you know... Um, I don't know, my opinion was a bad move on their part, but what the heck do I know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even Google Glass is a wearable thing, right? You know? Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's uh, in some ways it's, it's a little bit different. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think actually we uh, may not have been with Jonathan, but I believe I, we also wrote another article uh, on the Google Glass uh, because it just has much higher uh, specifications and capabilities than a lot of the other wearables. Right. So I think, you know, in terms of privacy concerns or privacy policies and laws and regulations, you're kind of dealing with a whole other level there. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually tried the Google Glass when I was at the IA, the International Association of Privacy Professionals. I actually was wearing it for about a half hour, and it was like <laughs> kind of freaking me out. I, I just uh, thought it was really fascinating. But, yeah, somebody sent me a Fitbit, and I've been a little bit worried about that. Let's talk about that, because I think when people get all excited about this wearable technology, like you said, it's it's a fashion statement. It's really kind of cool. They're not thinking about some of the real who's collecting information, where that collection is going, you know, who has access to it. So let's talk about those issues, about what these wearable technology, what is the privacy issue? Well, I think from a current law and, you know, regulatory perspective, you know, currently right now, from a legal perspective, you don't exactly quite have any glaring legal issues, I would say, because, you know, as far as I'm aware, uh, there is no uh, per se or, you know, specific finding against, a, you know, Fitbit or, you know, one of the products I like, uh, you know, Misfits Shine. Um, but, you know, obviously the capabilities and the specifications are just getting a lot better and it's really improving at a rapid pace. And you're still starting to get more and more into the realm of, you know, information that's, you know, readily identifiable or associated with, you know, specific people. Yes. Well, okay, so then we've got HIPAA. We've got this, you know, health information 
issue that's that's become um, you know very important to a lot of people about protecting their privacy. And of course, we've got high tech in that. What about the implications for HIPAA? Why don't we talk about a little bit about the HIPAA law and how that might relate to some of the wearables that people are um, using or will be using? Well, I mean, HIPAA is a little bit different, right? Because I, I think as you, as a privacy expert, you know that HIPAA uh, generally concerns protected health information. And right. when we're talking about wearables, that may not always necessarily impl- implicate protected health information, uh, specifically for things like, um, you know, the Fitbit or, you know, the Misfit Shine or, uh, you know, the Jawbone devices. It, at least as of now, you're not specifically talking about protected health information, and you're not, you know, even necessarily talking about a healthcare provider, healthcare plan, you know, public health authority, employer, life insurer, school or university, or healthcare clearinghouse, which is generally, you know, those entities and um, you know controlled uh, persons that would be regulated by HIPAA. So, well, how about how about you know when they're collecting information like let's say glucose levels or heart rate and stuff, and they're sharing that information? What about that? What about sharing that kind of information when when you're monitoring things? What about uh, that? Uh, now, now you're now you're venturing a little bit past my expertise because uh, I'll tell you this: as far as I'm aware, uh-huh. um, I don't believe any of the devices right now currently is able to track your glucose level uh, automatically unless you specifically post that up and share that. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, what most people understand to be a, sh- uh, to be a wearable, you know, when you're talking about like the Fitbit, you know, the Misfit Shine, I mean, you're really talking about products that are tracking, you know, how many calories you burned, um, what your activity levels are, what your friends are doing, uh, you know, with regard to those same things and how much sleep you're getting, you know. Right. Uh, sometimes, you know, you're able to record, if you want, you know, what your diet might be, what your weight might be, but we're not really quite talking about, like, you know, glucose level. Mm-hmm. Now, I-, I will note that we're starting to move there. So, yeah, for example, yeah. there, are, there is a... Um, there's a relatively uh, newer product uh, that's called uh, a, a Y-thing, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S. Uh-huh. And you can see that actually on Best Buy. Um, so this device, uh, in addition to, you know, tracking your sleep and, uh, you know, how many steps you've taken, it also, you know, measures your heart rate. And, uh, you know, and I haven't purchased one of this. I'm just reading their specifications. Right, But, you know, right. one of the things they're able to track is your, you know, your blood oxygen level, right? right. So now you're really starting to venture into, um, you know, very specific, you know, health information. Right. So, so that's, you know, that, that's kind of coming up next. But as far as I'm aware, you know, even being in the Silicon Valley, I'm not really seeing people, um, you know, carry and wear these, you know, white things yet. But... I mean, I have to say that, you know, looking at the specifications, it's pretty impressive. It's actually on my, uh, on my list of things to buy. <laughs> See, I could tell you're young. You're ready to jump in and get all these exciting <laughs> technology things. But, you know, I mean, I think about what's coming with this wearable, right? Like, we're, we're, I mean, I see stuff all the time about how we're going to be able to measure uh, insulin and that the insulin will be able to wear something that if you have diabetes, that it can automatically uh, add insulin when you need it. You know what I mean? That that it can do this inside your body and measure it and then report back or a heart monitor that reports back, which they already have those that are reporting back to your doctors. 
right? And it's just, I worry about who else might have access or hack it. Like, let's say there's a senator or our president wears something for some kind of a, a, a medical device that somebody could hack into, and then they could do something that could maybe add too much insulin or literally kill you or something like that. I mean, is that far-fetched or, or am I, you know, crazy or what? Uh, no, I don't think that's necessarily far-fetched. It's just that we're, we're really not quite there yet. And I think that a lot of the big players are just, you know, they're being very smart about it. You know, they're, you know, they're announcing what their technological capabilities of their devices would be, but they're not necessarily saying, hey, this is, in fact, you know, what it will do. For example, it will, you know, we will be taking your glucose levels or, you know, we will be, you know, telling you whether or not you're having high blood pressure or you're about to have a heart attack. Uh, I think those, the devices are definitely arriving at the age in which they're going to be capable of either, you know, doing that directly or, you know, providing some type of ancillary service that will be able to do things like that, but we're really not quite there yet. Um, I think it's a very good, you know, kind of a policy forecasting that, you know, you're keeping an eye out for, but we're really not quite there. And I think the sense at least I get from a lot of the big manufacturers and the big players in this space is that they're really still kind of, you know, throwing things out there and seeing what may stick and what may not stick. You know, for, uh, I think out of all the big manufacturers, or sorry, all the big players uh, in the mobile industry, you know, from my perspective, Apple has generally been really respectful of, um, you know, personal information and personal data. So, um, you know, I think you kind of had mentioned them. You know, from a policy perspective, they're kind of like the least of my worries. Right. Um, you know, some people are low. Some of the players are much more aggressive, and I think those are the people that are going to be really testing the waters to see, you know, what the authorities, what the public, um, and what the legislators are going to be saying. Right. And I would think that the Federal Trade Commission would be looking at all of these wearables very carefully to make sure that there's transparency. So if something is going to be shared, I think it would worry me if I am wearing a Fitbit or something, if that was shared with my health carrier, you know, if if something they wanted to eventually uh, increase my my uh, premiums or something due to something like that. I mean, you never know what could happen. So I just like, I don't like the idea of sharing without my permission or at least letting me know what's really happening and when it's being shared but what about you know one more question on this one mark um what about security breaches we we started to talk about that but what if there is a security breach on this recorded information and if it is being stored in um in a place maybe in the cloud for these companies what do you think about that well i mean i think uh (laughs) Sorry, not, not, not to get too uh, lawyerly on you. Uh, I think it depends really on the question in which you're fielding, right? I mean, I think uh, if you're talking about, you know, what access points, you know, we might be concerned about in terms of uh, data breaches, I mean, certainly the more prevalent wearables become, you have that many more um, access points in which hackers could kind of get in to access this data. But then on a legal level, as opposed to kind of a, a technological level, uh, an administrative level, you know, the question then becomes, well, even if they breach that, what kind of information are they getting? Right. And are, do, they rise, do, do they rise sufficiently to the level of personally, a personal identi- a personally identifiable information such that, you know, there needs to be stricter controls and things like that on that? And, you know, I think that's a part, 
you know, technological question because that would depend on that, that would depend on what the device can do from a hardware perspective. Um, you know, what the software will be tracking or not tracking, um, and then ultimately at what access point or what control point. Um, you know, the devices are storing what information. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a very, you know, I'm not trying to sidestep the question. I think it's... No, it, but it, you're it, right. It, yeah, I mean, if it's going to be health information, that's going to be covered at least under the California law and, and under HIPAA, you know, that you're going to have that. And if you're going to have a whole profile, which some companies might put together a whole profile on you of personally identifiable information and passwords and all sorts of stuff, if that's hacked, then there would be... Uh, be at least under California law, um, a duty to notify all possible uh, people who have been breached, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think, you know, when we think about any new technology, um, we really should be thinking about privacy by design. Do you want to address that, Jonathan, about what we mean by privacy by design? Well, I, I think that, you know, privacy by design is meant to address uh, you know, privacy concerns in a very specific uh, instance. I mean, right now, if you look at um, if you look at the way regulations are set up, uh, there are very few regulations actually in place right now that address uh, privacy and, and data security in specific contexts with actual uh, concrete and established standards. Uh, in fact, you know, with respect to the FTC, I mean, they've issued regulation or excuse me, they're the, the recommendations that they make are usually, you know, reasonable standards, which, you know, the boundaries of, of reasonable haven't yet quite been... Uh, Clarified. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, there's, right. there's, it's constantly an, an ongoing battle. Find out not only the FTC's uh, jurisdiction and, and authority to regulate these issues, but also what exactly should be the standards for every particular industry. I mean, right now there's a handful of, uh, you know, we've been discussing HIPAA, uh, there's also the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, and a couple of others. But, you know, there really isn't, uh, you know, kind of any overreaching standards that can address proper uh, data breach and, and, and data security standards that need to be in place for all these particular, all, you know, any particular industry. So I think that that's something that, um, you know, the legislature and the courts are heading towards uh, eventually establishing, but until then, uh, you know, everybody's kind of focusing on what what uh, data breaches or what uh, data security measures can be in place for each particular industry. Yeah. And Mari, you know, I think you raised a, a couple of really good points, uh, you know, with respect to what you were discussing with Mark um, as to kind of the, the state of, of wearables right now and where, uh, you know, what wearables are capable of. And at this point, I think, as Mark mentioned, at least as far as we're aware, wearables are, are really only existing to monitor right now, and they haven't really gotten to the point of actually affecting or treating uh, the person who's wearing it. But, you know, data breaches will become incredibly important, uh, you know, as that, as that goes on, because the information that will be um, you know, potentially vulnerable will exceed beyond you know just uh, personal health information or uh, you know credit card information, but will you know potentially have the effect of um, you know affecting us individually, um, depending upon what wearable we're wearing. And so I think that uh, you know if the FTC figures out some of these issues, and as the courts figure out these issues, we'll get better clarity on that. Yeah, and I think you know that that whole idea of privacy by design. I you know I. I, knew, I think you guys probably know who Ann Kavukian is. She's the one who coined that phrase, privacy by de design, and she is the uh, privacy commissioner of Ontario, Canada, and I'm, I'm one of her 
Privacy Ambassadors, which is wonderful. She's been on our show a bunch of times. And when we talk about privacy by design, just so my audience understands, it's building into the architecture of the technology or of the service or whatever it is or the product, just privacy protection right from the get-go. So, in other words, it's it's not just security, it's privacy. Like, you know, who would have access? What's collected? Do you collect more than you need to collect? If you don't need to collect it, why collect it, right? And so um, those are some of the things that I think are going to be really important in the wearables. We've already seen it in the apps, how the Federal Trade Commission has really kind of looked at best practices for apps. And I think we're going to have to, even though we don't have standards, we might have to develop best practices for these wearable products because we're out in, you know, the the wild west of wearables, right? Uh, yeah. So sorry, this is Mark. So so in in terms of that, right, the privacy by design thing, I I, I think it's important to clarify. Um, you know, just just uh, I mean, I certainly understand. Um, you know where. Uh, you know, a Canadian authority uh, might come in and, and kind of argue that. Um, but I think if, if you're looking, if you're looking specifically at regulations in the United States, right, yeah. uh, without any clear legislative guidelines, like both you and Jonathan said, we're really looking at the FTC standards. Right. And I, with regard to the privacy by design, usually the best example and the most uh, recent example of that, in my mind, that really stands out is basically the case of uh, H, uh, FTC versus uh, HTC America. Right, uh, right. Regarding, you know, that, that's the one that came out in July of last year, uh, essentially alleging that it was uh, fraudulent, deceptive, and unfair business practice for HTC to basically, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was, a, it was a privacy by design type of case, but it, certainly that was the implication, right, which is that, uh, you know, the HTC basically allowed um, you know, various vulnerabilities, um, you know, through the various type of, like, opt, uh, a top type of, uh, how, how would you say this? It's not exactly an opt-out, but it's almost like privacy uh, wasn't the design of the phone or its software, right? That right, right. That would be able to, have, to readily access the phone if they were, you know, um, if they basically had, you know, certain deals or they had certain um, um, software that be bundled along with HTC, uh, HTC's phones. Uh, I think that that's actually when you're talking about, you know, the precedents and the law and regulations for privacy by design in the U.S. with regard to wearables, uh, you know, the best, best lesson for, uh, you know, the more the smaller and more aggressive players are coming in, and also actually for probably for the mobile app developers uh, with regard to wearables, it's probably really that a, that case. And you can find you know details on on that case just on the F- FTC website. I think it was like issued sometime in uh, the summer of 2013 last year. Uh, and I think yeah. that's what you're talking about. When yeah. You're well, they they've kind of adopted that whole thing. Is that when you are developing apps or you are developing new technology, that you should be incorporating the privacy and techno- and security issues right into the architecture. We, You know, they were finding that all these um, guys were creating all these apps in their garages <laughs> and, you know, selling them and having a lot of fun with them. But the problem was is that there was all sorts of security problems and privacy problems where things were being shared that people didn't know that was being shared. So I think that's kind of been the, the coined word that's been, uh, even though Anne put it together in, in terms of uh, her articles and her books, 
I think that the Federal Trade Commission has kind of looked at it. And it's, it is a best practice to kind of consider. It's, I always say it's like if you, my husband's a builder. So if you build a house and you don't put air conditioning in it, when you want to go back later, it's kind of a mess and it's more expensive and more have a hassle to build it in. So if you build it in the, you know, the air conditioning right from the get-go, it's into the architecture, it's into the blueprints, it's into everything. It's obviously going to work better, be less expensive to to um, put together and it'll it should work better so that's well, just kind of the idea you know Mari I think on that point it's an interesting thing because again privacy by design is kind of a vague concept in itself um, you know that that I think some developers may have uh, applying across the board depending upon what their application or program is mm-hmm. and I think with respect to you know take for instance Apple's uh, new health app uh, which will be which will you know be part of the iOS 8 you know that that the utility in that type of application is the fact that it's collecting such personal and private information and so the thing is you know sometimes depending upon what an app is designed for um, the collection and dissemination and even transfer between different sources of personal and private information is, is actually necessary. So, um, you know, again, I think privacy by design is, is a really interesting concept. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it's tempered by the fact that the utility of certain apps, you know, is actually derived from uh, the collection and dissemination of private information. And what, what the, the, the burden in this case really will fall on is the companies to protect, uh, you know, protect against data breaches in this particular instance. You know, and that way customers can still get the full use out of whatever they're subscribing to without having to be concerned about, you know, uh, unauthorized uh, access to their personal info. Right. And if they know, if it's transparent, if I if I use that app and I and I know it's very transparent, it's going to be shared with whomever, my doctor or whatever, and then I'm going to have access to it. That's that's one thing, you know. And so you're right. It it really depends on what the app is all about. Like you don't have to get my location uh, to, to know certain, you know, to, to provide me certain app things. Like, you don't have to have my location for me to use a flashlight app, right? I mean, it doesn't, it, it's not correlated. But if, uh, but you're right, if it's some kind of a health app that it's going to deal with my sensitive data, then yeah, I mean, they are going to have to collect it, but I should have a right to know who's getting access to it and how it's being transferred, how it's being collected, how it's being protected, and all that stuff. But, Let's let's kind of go over a little bit now, Jonathan. Let's let's go to um, the big data and what exactly does I want my audience to understand what you mean by big data? Well, uh, big data essentially. Oh, excuse me, I just dropped the uh, <laughs> dropped the mic. Um, big data essentially is uh, you know it's it's a really general term, but it essentially encompasses um, all the you know data management tools, data processing applications. It's a it's a collection of um, data from several sources, um, and you know, in today's electronic uh, age, big data is basically you know everything that we use um, on the internet and and everything like that. And as Mark mentioned uh, earlier, you know, the outlets and channels and the access points for consumers to to monitor and share their personal information it, it's growing at an unprecedented rate. So you know, big data is basically the collection and aggregation of a lot of this information and and what it uh, you know going to be used for. Yeah. So, you know, believe it or not, boy, I can't believe it. We're, we have about another minute. Um, so do you just want to tell us what you think is coming with big data, what we should be looking at? Because we, we are really almost out of time. I can't believe it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Then, then real briefly, you know, I think right now the FTC, uh, you know, is really kind of testing its, its authority to regulate um, 
data breaches in this particular instance. You know, I mean, uh, the protection of consumers' information is definitely of, of prime concern for, for businesses and consumers alike. So the FTC is testing its authority in this regard to regulate, uh, regulate data breaches and security uh, standards um, under Section 5 of the FTC Act and specifically under the unfairness or unfair practices prong. And so, you know, we'll keep an eye out for developments in this, in this area because if the FTC's authority does grow, uh, in this respect, or is established in this respect, then um, you know we we should be seeing some uh, greater development of security standards, uh, you know, to protect consumers and also to aid businesses in uh, proceeding forward with development of, of their own best practices in terms of security. Thank you, and you know, I just want people to understand if you're a small business driving by you could be collecting big data. So it isn't just the big companies like Target or whatever. We're talking about small businesses can also be uh, subject to big data. So I want to thank Jonathan Yee, who is an attorney in the Los Angeles office of Kaufman, Dulwich, and Volokh, and especially Mark Mao, who is the vice chair of both the Technology Practices Group and the Financial Services Practice Group, also with that firm, but up in San Francisco. And their website is kdvlaw.com. You guys are wonderful. We'll have you back again. Thank you for the great articles. I'll keep reading them. Great. Thank you so much, Maureen. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Maureen Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. And visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.